Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. It's good to have you guys out with us today. We're kicking off a series today called Alter Ego. It's based on a book by Craig Groeschel from LifeChurch.tv in Oklahoma City. Um, an excellent book. And we're doing a four-week series, and today kicks it off. And so we're going to talk about today inadequacy. We're going to talk about the need to control. Anybody want to control things in here? Any control freaks? Okay, I got some in the house. I see you. You didn't want to raise your hand because you knew you thought I was trying to control you. Um, also, the idea of people-pleasing. Um, there's times that we're addicted to people-pleasing. Pleasing, and then we're going to talk about our right, losing our right to be offended. And so the next four weeks will be very relevant to your life. I hope you'll come back out um, after today to hear more about it. And today we're going to talk about inadequacy. Now, alter ego is the idea. It's not A-L-T-E-R, but A-L-T-A-R. It's on purpose like that. And altar is a place that you would lay down something. You would sacrifice something. You would, you would go and lay something down. And your ego is you. That's all about you, right? And so we're asking you the next four weeks to lay down four areas of your life and four struggles that you have. And today I'm going to talk to you about inadequacy. When I was in ninth grade, um, I love basketball. You guys know I play Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the, at the YMCA um, up in Shady Grove area. Um, I love basketball. But ninth grade, I got cut from the basketball team. Um, and, and, you know, I went, I remember the, is the worst feeling ever. I, I practiced all summer. I also gained a bunch of weights. So I wasn't in basketball shape. It was pretty bad. I was, I was in shape, but not basketball shape. And, uh, and so I remember going and on the door that they, they leave the roster up and you can go check um, after practice if your name's on the roster and I, my name wasn't on the roster. I'll never forget how bad I felt. I cried. I sobbed. I was depressed. And I had heard a story that Michael Jordan had got cut his ninth grade year. So I went and I practiced really, really hard and I didn't make it to the pros. Um, no, not at all. So that didn't work for me, but I felt inadequate. You know, the feeling was I was not good enough. I was not, I couldn't meet a certain standard. My dad was an all-star athlete at our local high school. We were a small school. He played all the sports and he was the man in all of them. And I really felt like I was a failure as a son. I felt like I just failed overall. Um, but first time I ever been cut from any sport and I felt inadequate. Now you today, you probably have not been cut from the basketball team recently. If you're an adult in here, if you're still trying out, we need to pray for you. Uh, but you probably have a, a, a situation in your life where you feel inadequate. Maybe it's, you know, your neighbor has a better house than you have and a bigger house and it's prettier and you think, man, we're just not good enough. We don't have what they have. Maybe it's the car. Maybe you got the clunker. You know, you, you know you're trying to hold up the, the, the top from coming down and people think you're praising Jesus, but you're trying to hold the, the, dad, you know, the top up. And, and you see people, somebody with a nice car and you think, man, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. Students in here, do you, do you have that friend that never studies and they make all A's? And then you study all night long and you make B's and C's? And you feel like, man, what in the world? I, I, I'm just not good enough. Or it could have been the situation for you where you lost a job. You gave your heart to that job. You tried everything at it and you got the pink slip. And it just put that, that feeling of inadequacy in you. And what I want to talk to you about today is that God does not want you to have that feeling of inadequacy. He wants you to understand that you are adequate for everything that you are going to face in life. And here's, let me just share this. Before we get into Gideon and that story in Judges 6, we're going to look at Judges this morning, uh, Judges 6, 11. 
Before we get to Judges 6.11, let me just share this with you. You know why we feel inadequate many times? The first thing is unfair criticism. When you have somebody who always criticizes you and, and, and it's unfair that they compare you, that they talk about things, and it really makes you feel like you're not any good. It makes you feel like you're not good enough when you're always getting criticized. And sometimes, you know, when you face that, you want to quit. The other thing is this, and listen to this here, unrealistic compliments. Oh, you're the best ever. Nobody is ever as good as you. Blah, blah, blah. Or whatever. You know, if you do that, and then, you, then you're always trying to live up for the next compliment, right? And it's great to tell your children that they're great and awesome, but sometimes, you know, you, have, you, know, you need to balance it out because, you know, if you're told you're great and awesome all the time, you're scared you won't measure up. So you feel inadequate. And then we also face unwise comparisons. But we're comparing ourselves to other people. I think that's the number one thing that everyone faces. You're comparing yourself. I mean, for instance... You make your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You toast it. Both sides, baby, with butter. You cut it diagonal like the restaurant does. You take your Instagram photo of it, and you're all proud, and you scroll down, you know, two pictures later, and your friend has a lobster that they're eating. And you're like, really? Really? I got to eat peanut butter? And you feel inadequate of what others have because you're comparing yourself to others. And realize this. Here's what we do. We often compare other people's highlight reels to our behind the scenes. All right. See, we often compare everybody else's highlights of their life, what they're doing, and then you see your behind the scenes and you feel like you're not good enough. Uh, let me just tell you a little secret about Thrive Church. I know most of y'all knuckleheads in here and y'all messed up people. <laughs> I'm a messed up guy too. See, you think that you're the only one dealing with that and that's why you feel inadequate. Everybody is going through it. If I took time and broke you into twos and threes, you guys could all share some area you feel inadequate in life. And you can be rest assured here that everybody here is going through something. But what we have to do is this. See, our egos tend to tell us what we're not. Why God wants to tell us who we really are. And I want to look at at an account this morning of a, a man in the Old Testament named Gideon who he struggled with inadequacy. He felt that he was not good enough. And I see Gideon was in the time of what you call judges. Israel had just settled the promised land. So they moved in the promised land. They've taken them to land there, the same land they occupy today, which if you look at Old Testament history, they occupied all of it, baby. They don't need to give any of it up. If you study Old Testament history, you'll know that. Anyway, I'm going to keep going because some of y'all don't like me in there. So they, they, they settled that in the book of Judges and they had these people kind of like, you know, um, um, uh, mayors over different parts of the area called judges. And they weren't like judges like Judge Judy. They, 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 they were leaders. And so you got to realize at this time a man named Gideon was someone God called. Don't you look at this account when God called Gideon and I guarantee in Judges 6.11 you're going to see some comparisons of you and Gideon. It says the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. You thought she's been around a long time, hadn't she? Right? That belonged to Joash, the Abrazerite, where his son Gideon was threshing, threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. The Midianites were the evil guys trying to destroy Israel and uh, destroy uh, where Jesus would come through. So Gideon was hiding in a wine press, hiding from the Lord. Now watch this here. And verse 12 says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now isn't that strange? You have this guy hiding in a wine press, ducking the call of God, 
hiding out. Some of y'all have been hiding out from God's call in your life. And the Lord shows up. He's not like, I'm disappointed in you. You're worthless. God didn't say that, did he? God called him a mighty warrior. Again, we're going to look at that a little deeper in a second, but but realize that's how God saw Gideon, even though Gideon didn't see Gideon that way. Verse 13 says this, But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why, Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. See, do you understand this? You're the solution to your problem in life. You keep asking for somebody else to do something for you when God's saying, why don't you go do it? I'll keep going. You didn't come to hear that on Easter, but I'll keep going here. He says, am I not sending you? But Lord, getting asked, how can I save Israel? My family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and I will strike down the Midianites together. Now, I want you to realize this, that we all have an ego. Sometimes egos mean edging God out, right? We have these thoughts about ourselves, these thoughts about life, these thoughts about others. They're not God's thoughts about us or our life. And a lot of times our reality doesn't come from the Word of God. And because of that, we often hide in wine presses like Gideon, and we're ducking what God really wants for our lives. And I want to show you today, um, here on Easter Sunday, three things you need to know about you so you will not live in inadequacy. The first one is this, and your talk notes you should have gotten when you came in, is this. Write in your notes, God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. And look at Judges 6, verse 12. It's a New Living Translation. It says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, God saw a mighty warrior in Gideon, and Gideon saw a, saw a scaredy cat. What Gideon saw in the mirror was not, not, not what God saw. And so many times we have a different view of ourselves than God actually has of us. And God sees you and sees I as a mighty warrior. And you know the sad thing is? We let other people's opinions about us shape us. Right? I mean, if you were to look at, um, if you struggle with an addiction or you have something going on in life or you're, you're facing something, if I sat you down and talked to you, we could probably trace it back to where someone, maybe a, a mom or a dad, shared something harshly with you and hurt you deeply. I had a friend uh, who I was talking to when he first got saved and we were kind of working through some, um, just some, um, you know, coaching stuff as he was growing. And he said, you know, we're talking about this, he's all got to prove something to somebody. Got to prove it to somebody. I said, where does that come from, man? Why do you always have this need? He said, when I was 11 years old, my mom told me I would never be good at trumpet and that I was, uh, that, and that I was too stupid to do it. And so his whole life was to prove his mom wrong. So he would never quit at anything because he wanted to prove his mom wrong. And now the man is older and still facing that. But see, that opinion, what was told to him at 11 or 12 years old, is the very thing that's shaping his life today. And the reason he doesn't feel good enough in so many areas is because, listen to me, somebody shared an opinion with him. And can I tell you, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them and some stink. Right? Right? People share their opinions with you. You just keep that in mind. Because the sad thing is, that's not what God thinks about you. 
Oh, you'll never be good. You'll never be this. God never says that about you. God has a different view for you than you have. Ephesians 2.10 actually says this. Love this verse of scripture. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Not a mess up, right? Because you're like, I'm God. I'm God. I'm a mess up. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you know you're God's masterpiece? You're like, really? When you look in the mirror, that's what you are with all your issues, all your hang-ups, all the things that you've even done this week. And he has planned good things for you long ago. Now see, when you get that in your mind, you start looking at yourself as a mighty warrior. And see, that's what the Bible's about. I was preaching at another church last week. Uh, out of, I was out of town and we were handling mom and dad's estate and things like that with them, um, you know, uh, uh, passed away and dealing with that. I was in town and the guy asked me to preach. I just didn't want to turn him down because I like preaching here, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not a traveling preacher man because people don't laugh at my not funny jokes when I go other places. It takes them like half of a message to even get warmed up. And so I told them this when I was there. I said, you know, the Bible's not just a book of rules and regulations. That's not what the Bible is. It's not basic instructions before leaving earth. It's, it's a beautiful story of messed up individuals who God redeemed and restored and used. If you don't believe me, walk through Genesis and talk to me about Abraham and talk to me about Isaac. And let's, let's, talk, let's go in Mo, to Moses in the book of Exodus. And let's go ahead and let's look at the book of, uh, of John with Peter denying Jesus. I mean, that's what it's about. That's right. So when you look at your mess, you look at your situation, it's not just do this and don't do that. It's who you are to become. And for instance, look at Rahab the, the harlot or the prostitute. See, that's what people saw. But God saw potential in her and she was actually in the line, the lineage of Jesus when you read Matthew's uh, genealogy. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, you look at David. His family saw him as a, sh- a little shepherd boy coming. They're like, what are you doing looking at the fight, man? Don't you have sh- uh, some sheep attend? That's what they saw. But God saw a king in him. And you even look at Peter. I mean, he denied Jesus. He cursed out a 12-year-old girl who's like, I think you're part of his group, aren't you? And it, it, then it became rated R because he used bad language. The Bible got rated R quick. Doesn't really tell you, but you can think about it. And then Jesus said, Peter, I pick you to lead my church. But, but John was at the cross the whole time. Followed the whole time, but... See, that's what the Bible's about. It's about God redeeming and restoring and using people who the world said were no good, but God said, I'm going to use you. You, Listen, I came to tell you today that God's view of you is different than you think of yourself. And the key is lining up your view with his view. Mighty warrior, he called Gideon. Here's the second point this morning. Three things that you need to know about you. And the second point you can write down is this. God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. Judges 6.14 says, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And watch this here. Am I not sending you? See, he didn't tell Gideon to go read a book and get ready. He said, Gideon, you need four years of college and you need to go take a class on how to save the Israelites out of Midian's hand. He didn't say any of that. He said, I'm sending you. 
some of you today are in here and you're like, well, I can't do that. I can't go, you know, you've been really wanting to get involved and serve the Lord. You've been really want to focus on, on, on reading the Bible and praying. Well, I can't do all that stuff. I just don't have what it takes. And do you realize God's given you much more than you could ever imagine? That's right. He's already given you everything you need. See, uh, and you've probably heard this. If you've been in church two weeks, you've probably heard this. If you've not, then this is new and you can say amen. And I, I feel good to, to tell you this, but God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. That's right. So God makes ready the called. He doesn't call the ready. Did you get that? Well, I don't. I can't. I'm not. I'm this. I'm that. And you're giving all these God's, God's like, but dude, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I mean, for me, that's, that's such a blessing to me to understand that because when, when I grew up, I stuttered really bad. I went to speech therapy. I um, had a lisp. I, I, you know, it was embarrassing that to go and you know, leave class and go to speech therapy. And then I actually had a learning disorder where, you know, when I would read out loud in classroom, teachers, I don't know if they still do that anymore, but we would read like a chapter of the biology book or something, man, out loud. I could pronounce all the words and do it really good. And when I got done, I had no clue what I just read. And then I would sit there to study, and then I couldn't remember what I read. I had no recollection of what I was reading. And so I was diagnosed with, uh, with, with a disorder. And so when I got saved, uh, man, it was difficult. I mean, I was in youth ministry, Alan. And the students would laugh at me because I stuttered. What? 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 They'd do that, and they laugh because I had a bald head, and that's what that's what you that's what students do. They, hey, you're bald, and you stuttered. You know, I mean, youth ministry is. I'm telling you, man, go do it for about five years. They'll get you ready for life. If you can't take criticism, go go, go hang out with high schoolers. And when I first got saved in 1999, three months later, they came to me and said, will you teach the young adults this summer, the college students, the book of James? I'm, I'm, I've been saved three months. I ain't read the book of James. I said, we'll give you a study guide. Um, you know, you seem like you really are passionate for Jesus and we want to, nobody else is passionate for Jesus and we'll throw you up there. And, you know, I want to tell you this, is that the Lord has been able to use me. Even with, with all that, I got a bachelor's, a master's, a doctorate. I was able to, I'm able to write two books so far. I'm able to speak to you every week and most of you keep coming back, you know? I mean, I mean you know, right? So, I mean, it's... Uh, and listen, I don't say that for me. I say that for you because you're sitting there and you're thinking about how you're inadequate and you can't do it and you're not good enough. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to use you and don't try to get ready first. All right. well, I've got to get rid of this and get rid of that and have everything. You know, we know what changed my life was before I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't know God. Uh, you know, I went to church as a kid, then I stopped going. I was in, some of you heard this story before, but I was in a bathroom at East Carolina University where I, where I went to school for a whole whopping three semesters before they banned me from there. Um, was that, I was in a bathroom. I'd smoked marijuana all night. Yes, that's what I did before I got saved. And, and you know, and, and I, I was coughing up this stuff and, and this young black man comes in and he's like, hey man, you okay? I was like, yeah, I've been, you know, rah, rah, I'm so cool. And, you know, I said all that and he said, hey man, he said, Jesus loves you. Was this got weird quick, and then he was like, and, and I said, Yeah, I mean, I thought about it. He said, You know, all that stuff. He said, Well, you ought to get saved, man. I said, ah, Yeah, I gotta get rid of this. Get rid of that. He said, You know, you need to come just as you are to the Lord, just as you are. And I never heard that, guys. My grandmother, my, you know, and, and, my, and my the church I went to as a kid, I always said, You need to stop and you need to start. You need to stop and you need to start. I thought, Man, I can't be a Christian. This is way too much work. I didn't realize that the moment that I received Christ as my Savior and I surrendered to Him, He made me ready for the work that he had. It wasn't getting ready for the work. Amen? 
If you begun in the spirit, Paul said to the Galatians, why are you trying to become perfect in the works of the flesh? All right. And so realize this today. If you're, if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, man, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. God's given you more than you think. Mission Impossible movies. Ever seen Mission Impossible movies? Anybody watch that? I know more of y'all have seen it because you're lying in church because you want to be holy. I don't watch movies, Pastor. I only read the Bible 24. No, you watch movies. I know you do. I've seen you on Facebook checking in on those ungodly movies. Mission Impossible is awesome because, you know, he has this crazy mission that that the guy's going to go on. And then um, what happens is he says, if you so choose to accept the mission, you have these really cool gadgets to complete the mission with. Do you understand it's the same way of the Lord? If you so choose to accept the call, God's going to equip you with spiritual gifts and equip you with things that you've never had before to do everything he's called you to do if you so accept the mission. See, 2 Peter 1.3 says this. It says, His divine power has given us everything. How much? This is amazing. We need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Some of you need to stop listening to yourself and stop listening to other people that are devaluing you. They're, They're telling you that you're not good enough and you're not this and you're telling yourself you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes and God is telling you, you have what it takes because he's given it all to you anyway. Amen? Amen. Here's your third and final point uh, this, this morning. It's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. And look at Judges 6, 16. This is great here. The Lord answered, I will be with you and I and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you. How will Gideon do this? How will a scaredy cat hiding in a wine press, ducking God, do this? God says, I'll be with you. See, the beautiful story about the Bible is it's not about you and I. The Bible is a story about one man. Actually, two men, in Adam and in Christ. And you realize that if you study every book of the Bible, it's about Jesus. I mean, think about Genesis. You know, Adam and Eve sin, and everything's messed up, and then God fashions for them uh, out of animal cloths, they all, um, an animal, he, you know, the blood, and he gives them the covering for their, for, for their nakedness. And that's the gospel in Genesis. Oh, in Genesis, you see the gospel at work. And one thing that we've done, and it's been crazy in Christianity, we are, we are so narcissistic. That, that we turn things on ourselves. We make the Bible about us. Well, I'm going to slay my giants. I'm going to face all my giants. Tell me how that's going for you. Please. Because see, here's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ pleased God because we never can. And when you trust in Jesus, when you trust in Him, you are now pleasing to God. You know, that's the gospel. The gospel's not be good, do good, and try better because you'll never do it. It's like trying to dunk a 25-foot basketball goal with no help. You'll never do it. The gospel is that Jesus finished the work. He defeated the enemies. If you read the Bible, he's already completed the work. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, think about David and Goliath, okay? Which is a beautiful account in Scripture. And and, and you should face things with your faith. I mean, don't get me wrong. Try to slay your giants. But here's the issue. You cannot defeat the things you're trying to defeat on your own. In the Bible, and here's a a, a Christ-centered gospel versus a man-centered gospel. In the Bible, 
David represented Jesus for us. Goliath represents sin, death, hell, and the grave. Man was destined to live in sin, die in sin, and go to hell. That's what man was destined to do. And then Jesus stepped in and defeated death, hell, and the grave. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. Jesus looked at Goliath. He looked at Satan and said, "Mm -mm, no more. And he took out Goliath for us. He took out Satan. You get that? He finished the work. Listen, you're not Joshua trying to cross into the promised land. Jesus did that. And your battle is to trust in the Lord. Do you get me here? Because we we love do's and don'ts. We just don't like the fact that we've got to have a relationship with the Lord. Because that's where the beauty is. And so it's less about you than you think. It's about Jesus Christ and Him finishing the work. See, many times we get so us-focused, we think that we can just mess it all up, don't we? Um, I'm not going to say any names in here, but I know a guy who, when he first started playing music with us, a guy named Alan, oh, I'm sorry, um, dang, man. I did that first service too, then I just messed up. He was just so worried about messing everything up, and people wouldn't come to know Jesus if he messed up one note or messed up something. And I had another friend tell him, he said, oh, really? So you you can mess up off playing one wrong note and one beat. You can mess up all of God's work in the service. He's like, yeah, that's a good point. See, it's much less about us than we think. God is sovereign and God is in control and we have to trust him. He's finished the work for you. Whatever you're trying to defeat in your life, if you will let Jesus fight this battle for you, I guarantee it will go much better in your life than you trying to do it yourself. Amen. We close here with this. I know you guys are ready on Easter Sunday to go get your, your lunch on. Um, but, 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 let, but let me close here with this. Many times the Lord lets us go through seasons and allows it divinely then we come out and we feel inadequate so then he can teach us true adequacy true adequacy is not trusting more in yourself or just believe in yourself no don't oh gosh we're, we're really inconsistent aren't we aren't we as humans I, I am just believe in yourself no 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 don't do that because then you will create more inadequacy you need to you need to believe in Jesus and try, he never changes he never moves and the Lord will let you go through seasons. When I planted our first church in Florida, it was really a, a, a tough situation. We were down with no money, no people, and we just started this church down there, my wife and I, and um, a couple friends. And it was a tough situation. And I went in thinking I had what it takes. I was going to do it. You watch out, man. I'm going to, oh, yeah. We're going to rock it for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what. I got my butt kicked down there. I had one guy tell me, you're the most unanointed preacher I've ever heard. God was nowhere in your worship service. Isn't that a great guest to greet at the end? It's like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. It, I mean, it, you know, it, 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 just, it hit me in the gut. And I faced situation after situation. I thought, God, am I even called to ministry? Do I even need to, do, do I even need to be a pastor anymore? This is ridiculous. And when we left Florida and came to Richmond, Virginia, I'm going to tell you a secret. I had no expectations. Here's where I got to my, my inadequacy that turned it to a divine adequacy. I said, God, I can't do it. My knowledge won't do it. My leadership skills won't do it. 
I have no clue what I'm doing coming here with 20 people and we're going to launch a church here. But I know one thing. You love Richmond. You love Chesterfield County. And God, if it's going to be done, you're going to do it. Because I've tried way too hard. I've tried to be David slaying Goliath and it wore me out, man. And the moment I said, Lord, if you want it done, I'm here to partner with you. You've got to lead the way. I will, you know, walk in victory with you. But I, I don't have it in me to do it. And the Lord taught me that is what divine adequacy is. Is when you really get real with yourself and say, I can't do it. I don't have it. I'm not good enough, but he's good enough. And God is happy and pleased with me because of Jesus Christ and that alone. And you know what I was happy about? If nobody ever came, it was cool. Because I love Jesus and he loved me. And that's where you have to get to in life, whether or not, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Don't people like me? You know, you get to that place where you're wondering those things. Can I just tell you today, Jesus wants to tell you today that you have what it takes. Whatever you're facing, is your marriage broken? He can restore it. You stop, stop pushing so hard and stop, start praying more. Is a situation at your work and you're just tired of this job and it's wearing you out and you're just, oh, you're fighting. Stop, stop fighting. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at, but I guarantee that if you let Jesus start fighting your battles, you will see more results in a small amount of time than you will fighting everything yourself. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes in here. Um, just for the fact that you can focus on Jesus when you do that. You're not looking around. Today in this place, there are so many of us, including myself, that struggle with an inadequacy. We're that little boy looking at the roster being cut from the basketball team, being number 14 instead of 12 on the list. And we live our whole lives feeling like we're not good enough. Feeling inferior to other people. And today the Lord wants to tell you that you have what it takes. Before Jesus ever did a miracle, before he ever did anything, uh, when he was baptized in the Jordan, God said to him, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. He was saying he has what it takes. Today you have everything you need because God has given you everything you need for this journey. I want to pray for you right now. As I pray for you, Deanna's going to sing in a second this song. And I want you to take some time to ask the Lord to help you in any area you feel like you're not good enough. And to reveal to you who you really are. To reveal to you how much you have. And to reveal to you it's so much more about Him. Father, I pray today on this Easter Sunday that every one of us who feel and struggle with an adequacy in here, that Lord, you would speak to us and meet us where we struggle at. That, Lord God, we would, like Gideon, see that you're calling us a mighty warrior. Like Gideon, you're asking us to join a cause, to, to step up and change the world. So, Father, today, I ask for every person in here that they would experience the power of your grace. They would experience the power of your mercy. And that, God, they would come out of here excited that you're going to restore, you're going to redeem, you're going to move, you're going to work. And, God, I ask that as they leave here, they would never forget the words I've spoken from your scriptures today. 
And anytime they feel inferior, inadequate, or not good enough, they can look and say, I'm a mighty warrior. I have more than I ever will need to do what you've called me to do. And God, they will declare that it's about you and you will finish what you first started. So God, we love you and praise you in this place. And church, I want you, as Deanna sings this song here, this is a a sacred moment for you. This is a time for you right now, right where you're standing, to ask the Lord to help you in this area, whatever you're facing today. As she sings, worship Him. Thank you. Good. 